0: Hi, I'm Carl Zomer with Emerson Climate Technologies. Welcome to our contractor podcast, HVAC On Air, the coolest podcast on the airwaves. On this one, we're going to do things a little bit different. Uh, Vince Gillette, uh, Bobby Ring, and Tim Kropp uh, are going to ask me uh, questions about the industry, and, and uh, I'm going to do my best to answer from a manufacturer's perspective.
1: So I hope you uh, studied for these questions, Carl, because... Uh... We, we got together and put together uh, some questions that are going to require you to be pretty sharp. Um, I guess the first one is, it's a softball question. We're going to warm you up with an easy one. What's the biggest change you've seen in the industry?
0: Well, the, the biggest change is plural, has to be government regulations. We, we seem to be, every three to five years, having uh, changes in uh, energy efficiency, uh, residential and commercial. Changes in refrigerant, the r 410 a R22 to R410A transition, and, and then we've had other. We had uh, the, the twenty uh, ready. Twenty fifteen change on up to fourteen SIR and regional standards. And then in twenty eighteen, we're having more changes to the commercial side. Uh, each one requires uh, modifications to the equipment, new designs for compressors. Uh, I can tell you. Uh, if you want to be gainfully employed in this industry, you can be a, a new product development engineer, and you're working your tail off. I can guarantee that.
1: Well, you know, as contractors, we're certainly aware of all those changes, um, but it has to be pretty tough as a manufacturer to deal with. Uh, what is the government going to tell you? You have to do next. It's easy for us. We just have to sell what you can. What you can manufacture, but you've got to retool and redesign, like you said, product development.
0: Those must be uh, tremendously daunting tasks. You know, uh, I'll give an example, the uh, 10 to 13 SEER transition. Well into the product development process, the, the, the law appeared to be 10 to 12 SEER. And we had developed product, and our, our OEM customers had developed product for 12 SEER. And with less than 18 months notice, we ended up having to uh, re- revise our our efforts to 13 SEER. And uh, I'll tell you, we spent... Tens of millions of dollars in in developing new products and a lot of, a lot of time. Luckily, we we're able to to get it done in time, and the industry made a reasonably decent transition. But the predictability of those government regu- regulations is tough to deal with.
1: Yeah, and you know, a new administration takes uh, takes office, and the direction the regulatory direction can go a completely different direction.
0: One of the big changes or big big issues we have to hurl with, and you don't see it too much, is that there's an entire negotiation where uh, the DOE will. Put a number out there that uh, the manufacturers say, "Well, that's not feasible. We can actually, maybe, we can attain those efficiency levels, but the consumer won't be able to afford the equipment." And at that point in time, they do things that are that are different. They uh, fix old uh, systems, which is not what the law intended it to do, uh, or uh, they they do uh, things like in the in the in the ten to thirteen year transition, our service parts business went up fifty percent for people buying replacement compressors. And the room air conditioning market went from 8 million systems to 10 million systems, none of which are manufactured in the United States. Those kinds of things are the unintended consequences of of regulatory changes and the impact on the
1: consumer. Hey, Carl, i got a question here for you. I'm tagging on to uh, a little bit of what we were talking about on some of your product development. Talk to me about um, your products and your engineering process, uh, and then how do you handle the testing of those products?
0: whenever there's this thing and I'm going to go back to regulatory changes as an example you need to be well ahead of the, uh, of the uh, as much as you can be of the of the change and understand what that impact is going to be for you on your products and on your customers and we try to do uh, advanced product development working with our customers to to you know go say here's what we think is going to happen what are you and get feedback from their marketing and engineering organizations essentially helping us to write the spec and, then, and we develop to that spec and, and uh, get product for testing in their hands well prior to production so we can have a smooth transition. We have a very rigorous uh, uh, quality and reliability testing process, having made uh, 125 million scroll compressors or so. We're pretty good at it. And the, the testing, we know that if a new design passes this series of tests that we require all of our new product developments to do, we know we're going to uh, release to the field a reliable and durable Durable compressor that's going to last a long time.
1: Yeah, and that shows out in the field as, as well, uh, Vince.
0: So, Carl, to tag on to that, how have the regulatory issues affected Emerson, and what are you doing to comply with these? Well, we we certainly have to comply with them, uh, particularly as it relates to refrigerants. Um, the the as I mentioned earlier, the um, the product development engineers certainly were. Long hours making this making this product uh, new products available, and so we we're, were constantly in an R&D process. You know, getting getting done with one uh, regulation and then moving to the next. Uh, right now, we we have pretty much gone through Ready 2015 and the 14 seer transition. We'll, we're moving a lot of engineering resources to the commercial side, and to help our OEM customers hit their 15 percent or 30 percent bumps in efficiency, it requires changes to uh, the compressors. It also requires changes to the system and the number of compressors used. Modulation, be it variable speed or two-stage or or tandems or uneven tandems, are very important to hit these new IEER requirements uh, for commercial. And that's where we're putting a lot of focus on that side of the business.
1: You know, the Clean Air Act said that we couldn't vent refrigerants and we had to recover refrigerants. And then we had to get rid of HCFCs, and we went to from R22 to 410A because R22 had a high uh, global warming potential, excuse me, a high ozone depletion potential. Then we found out that 410A has a high global warming potential. Um, that's that's got to be a nightmare for manufacturers. How, how, how are the new refrigerants affecting compressor manufacturers? I mean, we hear talks of uh, you know a lot of flammable gases, and quite honestly, that's, uh, that's a whole new ballgame.
0: The uh, there are if the new refrigerants that we have uh, available for use have similar operating characteristics as, as the one they're replacing. Uh, it's not as uh, burdensome as if if it ends up being something quite different. So, if you have a say an R32 based refrigerant uh, with with other uh, with other blends added and it has similar pressures to the one that's replaced, like R410A. In general, we can tweak a design, maybe tweak a displacement, a little bit of change to the oil and, and the protection scheme, and it, it is it is uh, time consuming, but it's not over the top, as Vince would say. Um, what about how does that affect capacity? Um, it, you can you can tune capacity a little bit, and, and for example, if some of the new blends maybe have three or four percent additional capacity, uh, so instead of maybe a thirty one thousand BTU compressor, you can actually do it with a twenty nine thousand BTU. Displacement, and so you, you, you downsize a little bit, and you end up with a very similar system performance. Where where it is very troublesome, is where uh, you're being pushed towards refrigerants that have dramatically different operating characteristics, uh, from pressures or efficiency. Like carbon dioxide is is not a, a particularly a good air conditioning refrigerant. It has has an impact on capacity, uh, efficiency, and operating pressures. I wouldn't want to be working on the high side of one of those guys. Um, and, in a, and there's a trend in, in certain uh, areas of, of Europe of, of, of propane as a refrigerant, and certainly vending machines, and there's discussions about larger equipment. I don't think I'd want, uh, in my building, 100 pounds of propane under high pressure uh, in that environment with, with the pensions for leaks. I think there's safety issues there that are, that are a concern for me.
1: Yeah, you would uh, be hard-pressed to use a torch on that
0: kind of pipe. Huh? <laughs> I'll let you do that, by the way.
1: All right, hey, Carl. You know, we've talked about some changes in the industry. We've talked about refrigerant issues, regulations, so What are what 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 is the biggest trend that is is affecting the compressor market
0: out there? Well, you know, I, I said I mentioned the regulations and, and refrigerants and so forth. But there, there's there's another trend that we touched on earlier on uh, electronics and smart homes and, and smart compressors. I, I think that uh, using the, the compressor as a, a, a large sensor and how it, how it operates and how we have uh, used CoreSense technology to be a diagnostic not only compressor but for the system that helps the, uh, the contractor both protect and predict uh, issues going on with the system and, and those kind of things as it goes, expands into home monitoring and so forth. Those are the trends that I that are exciting for me. Um, modulation might be the other one we want to talk about uh, both residential and commercial, um, where people uh, view and say, you know what, it's nice having a 16-seer piece of equipment. It's pretty efficient, but I'm not very comfortable. I have hot spots and cold spots in the home. How, how can I be more comfortable? Well, by adding modulation to compression, you can uh, say if you're running at a two-thirds capacity, you're running more more time, and you're running you're running either your two-stage or variable-speed system, uh, more time at a lower capacity and a lower uh, energy consumption. But you're getting the good airflow drifting throughout the house, and now you don't have the dead spaces where maybe the upstairs bedroom on the left is five or six or seven degrees different than the rest of the house. Now you have airflow throughout the house, and you get more comfort to the homeowner or to the building occupant. Okay, great. So, Carl, can you talk about the newest and coolest technologies in the pipeline? I, I think uh, the, the ones I'm having fun with right now is, is we're, as we're rolling out variable speed. Uh, we're now in our second generation of variable speed uh, compression, and, and we're, we're, lo- we're launching with more and more customers. And it's, it's a whole different ball game when you're just – trying to deal with, uh, here, here's a compressor, here's a displacement, here's the capacity, here's how it's going to work in your system. Now you're get, getting involved with controls and diagnostics, how the controls interface with the drive, what RPM ranges the compressor is running. Uh, you know, it's, it, it was fun when we first, a couple years ago, we were dealing with some customers and one of them said, you know, I get too much capacity and uh, when I'm running your compressor at 7,000 RPM. I said, well, maybe you should run it at 6,000 RPM. And so, just just learning uh, through the, uh, the industry as we we become accustomed to now, and I think virtually every manufacturer is working on some form of, of variable speed. So it's fun stuff. The the other thing that and I, I mentioned uh, earlier on modulation, we're, we're we're spending time on developing um, for commercial uh, a significantly increased a battery of tandems and trios and uneven tandems, and even made in a, a, a fixed capacity compressor with a two stage or a variable speed compressor, uh, made in that in tandem. We've, we've developed a really cool uh, simulation tool now that our, our OEMs are using. They can look at a current combination, uh, select some different options from everything that we have available, and they can predict how, how much IEER uh, is impacted by those changes and use use that tool to help develop uh more unique combinations for for their systems and that'll certainly help vince out in providing a, a very high and uh, very efficiency level piece of commercial equipment for his customers
1: hey carl thanks for letting us uh, turn the tables on you and ask you uh, the
0: questions um
1: what's your favorite sports team your, who who you going to be following this uh, this summer this fall
0: Well, uh, unfortunately, in baseball, it's the Cincinnati Reds, and they're struggling a little bit. I think they might have some folks for sale. I think there's some support groups for folks like that. Well, (laughs) you know, but I've I've moved to Cincinnati right about the time of the big red machine I'm actually working for Ford. And so seeing uh, those players and and seeing Tom Seaver take a no-hitter into the ninth inning one night down there was uh, a lot of fun. So Reds uh, in baseball. In in football, I get my choice of uh, three I can root for. I like I like the Colts, I like the Bengals, and with Peyton Manning out in Denver, I'm I'm now a a Denver fan too because he's pretty cool. He's and uh, basketball, not much in the pros, but uh, having uh, been at Indiana University when they had their uh, that was when I graduated they had their last 32 and 0 team. Uh, I'm an IU fan. <laughs> well, I, I know you're coming to New Jersey to show us uh, how Ohio
1: State plays football against Rutgers this fall. We're looking forward to uh, hosting you there, and uh, we want to thank you for your hospitality uh, these last few days with us here as well. Yeah. Always enjoy seeing you
0: guys. Thank yeah, you, Carl.
1: This was great.